live from Staten Island. This is gonna be awesome. Oh, wait. Didn't they call him Psycho Phil? We are on air. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Volume up and get ready. Welcome to the podcast. Okay, and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number one of the podcast. I'm super excited to be here. This is our first show. Today is going to be historic. But before we get into things, I just want to say a big thank you to Dave Fox for those awesome introductions. I want to say a big thank you to Hold Fast Gear for being one of our sponsors. And just a big thank you to everybody who told me I should do this and made this possible. So, where is this show going to go today? I have absolutely no idea, but it's going to be one for the books. You're going to hear some things, you might not like it, but hey, who gives a shit, right? We'll be right back. What's up everybody, I'm Matt Swagger with Holdfast Gear. As the best photographers know, having the right gear means you're better prepared for any situation. Having gear that allows you to be efficient, fast, comfortable, all these things amount to you being better positioned to get the right shot. High-level photography is all about staying focused on what's happening, being able to anticipate movement and emotion, ignoring distractions at every level. The new Vegan Leather Moneymaker is designed around the modern and sophisticated idea that two cameras are more efficient and faster than one camera in switching lenses. This removes distractions and allows you to keep your eyes on the scene. Stay balanced with one camera on either side, stay focused with a different focal length at your fingertips, and get the shots you need without ever skipping a beat. This new Vegan Moneymaker is an all-weather, all-situation multi-camera strap and comes in a myriad of colors. It is easy to maintain and feels amazing. At this price point, you can build a collection of your favorite colors so that you always have the right Moneymaker for your favorite pair of shoes or the event you shoot. Click below to order yours now while inventory lasts. Okay, and we are back. So welcome to the podcast. Again, this is our first episode, and we are going to talk about the state of the wedding industry post-COVID-19. We have entered the COVID wedding season. It's been absolutely amazing. With me on the line, I have Mike Gloria. Mike is one of my second photographers here at Philip Siciliano Photography. Mike, how you doing? Is everything going on with your house okay now? Is is it still there? The contractors left? What are we doing? Contractors did not come yet, but I told them that I had more pressing stuff to deal with and that I uh, would deal with them when they either got here or I'll talk to them later when they leave. So I'm going the route of talking to them later when they leave because this is a little bit more important right now. I mean, un unfucking believable I, I, I have you on for a time and you're calling me telling me your house has to be built. Just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> absolutely right. ridiculous. Right now, I'm living in a home that has no walls, uh, a beam that is ready to come out that literally holds up the second floor of the home where my wife and I are sleeping and our puppy Jackson. And uh, I would hate for that to fall down while we're in the house. So I want to make sure that gets dealt with. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, so Mike, yes. welcome to COVID wedding season. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Now, yes. we've both had some experience. We're going to say that we attended some COVID weddings because that's how we have to talk about this. We've attended okay. some COVID weddings, and how do you feel about them? 
Um, so, oof, that's a little bit of a tough question. It's very open-ended. So um, I feel, well, first off, I feel for the clients um, that are having to alter their plans. You know, some people might have had these plans of, let's call them grandeur, uh, that they are not able to execute 100% to how they initially thought they would. Um, so I feel for them, but at the same time, it's a good thing that, you know, we're, we're obviously now about four months into the quote unquote quarantine, um, when nothing was going on, but now I'm happy to see that stuff is going on. So these couples are able to finally have their weddings, albeit it might not be exactly what they intended, but it's still better than, um, better than nothing. Yeah. I mean, what's happening now is I have a lot of clients that keep asking me, so how exactly is my wedding going to happen? And what it comes down to is I have two distinct different types of clients. I have clients that want to get married no matter what. They'll tell me, Phil, how do we do this? Where do we have to go? What's the game plan? And then I have other clients where I got to shut this off. I've got my sound on my computer coming in and it's dinging. I have other clients that they're like, listen, no matter what, if I can't have my party, I don't want to get married right now. So that's where a lot of the rescheduling is coming in. Um, on your end, have you seen a lot of rescheduling? Yes. Yeah, so from basically March, uh, I would say early to mid-March, it was probably around March 15th, let's call it. I don't have an exact date, but let's call it March 15th until literally this morning, I got a text uh, from a client that I have pending for, uh, I believe the date is either the end of October or November, um, but they are looking to potentially postpone till next year. And um, I'm in the same boat with you in the respect of some people don't care. They're going to get married whether they have 25% capacity or you know 50% capacity. It doesn't matter. They just want to get married. At the same time, there's people that are like, you know, I plan this whole big day and I want everybody to be there. I'm considering postponing. Um, but they're getting into a little bit of a gray area with that now because technically a lot of the halls are, are open and I don't know that they're going to continue to allow couples to postpone if they have the facilities and capabilities to host their weddings again at maybe a um, – what's the term? Uh, a, a smaller guest list. You know what I'm trying to say, Phil. I mean, that. I you think know, what it comes. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is this is an act of nature. Well, we don't know if it's an act of nature. It's an act of somebody. Somebody out there started the COVID. Um, that's a whole other topic. So we'll we'll keep that on the low. But I was about to say it, but I kept my mouth quiet. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what happens is we have to treat this like rain on your wedding day. That's the best way I could explain it. So you plan this day. And it rains. What do you do? I usually tell my couples, rain, shine, snow, we go. We're like the mailman. So if it's raining on your wedding day, all we can do is work around it. Now, if you have snow on your wedding day, what do we do? We work around it. Now, a pandemic is a little different. Never in my life did I think I'd have to deal with a pandemic to be a problem for a wedding day. But now that restrictions are kind of eased and things are starting to change... Everyone has a different belief in what this pandemic actually has to offer you on your wedding day. So what it comes to is if you want to have your wedding, we do it. We go out there. We do what we know how to do. 
and we make it happen. But if you really, really think about the wedding day itself, the party's only four hours of a day. We're with you for almost 11 hours for that day. So the entire first two thirds of the day are happening the exact same way. I mean, you feel that way, right? Yeah. So the preps are the preps no matter what. So whether it's in someone's home or a hotel or a, uh, let's call it a third party venue. Um, sometimes they go to like the, the bridal salon, stuff like that. Uh, but for the most part, the preps are exactly the same. Um, the church, as far as I have seen, has been exactly the same with maybe a few restrictions. Um, I've seen some people having to do the whole mask down the aisle. I thought that was a little bit, you know, obviously that's not ideal. See, that but, for um, me is the absolute worst thing. So yes, where I, I feel church is... If people want to get married in church, yes, I understand, but the church has to loosen some of the restrictions because when I tell you I feel like I'm watching Mortal Kombat and it's two serial killers standing at the altar marrying each other, it's the scariest fucking thing I have ever seen in my life. It just it is so unappealing and visually disgusting to see people standing at an altar with masks. At that point, I would just say get married outside and renew your wedding vows when it's safe. Yeah, when the time is right. So I don't, I don't disagree with the whole mask on the altar or even, um, you know, mask coming down the aisle. I, look, at the end of the day, that's not ideal by any means. Uh, and if photo-wise, as well as for the videographers, cinematographers out there, um, it's just, you know, the, you can't. The main expression that's given um, on a wedding day, I feel like, is always a smile. <laughs> right now it's covered. So it's kind of like, you know, covered. When you're I mean, down the, the, aisle, the facial expressions are non-existent. I just see two people right. staring into each other's souls. And it's almost like you want to think what they're thinking and you right. don't know. It's, it's creepy. You know, I think that um, your idea of, look, if you want to get married right now and you wanted the whole traditional thing, do a small ceremony. And then later, you know, have the, you won't be married if you're religious in the eyes of God, let's say. Um, but you could do that at a later time. You could be legally married right now. It's just, it I think God gets, understands. I think the, the church understands and God up above is saying, listen, it's, it's okay. We'll give you a pass right now. If you get married outside. Good. Thou hast forsaken my church. Well, kind of. But, but what? I'm not a bad guy. I work hard and I love my kids. So why should I spend half my Sunday hearing about how I'm going to hell? Hmm. You've got a point there. Oh, yeah, of course. And I've even seen, I, I believe, um, I don't know if, if this was just a one-off thing, but uh, I've seen priests doing the ceremonies outdoor. Uh, I don't know if that is, quote-unquote, legitimately you know, in the eyes of the Catholic Church, if we're talking about Catholic religion. Um, but I am under the assumption that if the priest is there, it's pretty much done in terms of, um, you know, the the religious aspect. However, you know, a lot of our clients, just being from the, the, the Brooklyn, Staten Island, New Jersey area, have a lot of Catholics. And traditionally, for the parents especially, I think that a lot of the couples – like the idea of the traditional church marriage, if we're going that route, religious. I mean, if there's one thing I've noticed from being at these weddings, 
you would think that with a pandemic, I mean, you've been to many churches. You've been to plenty of churches with me. We've yeah. gotten into, uh, we'll call them quarrels with the priest in the front. And oh, yeah. <laughs> you would think that during these times, the priests would be a little more lenient. I feel like they pushed the button and they're even more in dick mode now. Well, um, yeah, I look, first of all, that's a whole, I don't even want to get started on that. Cause a lot of times, I mean, a lot of couples don't know this. They might, but for the people that are listening. Oh no, and, I had an experience with a videographer, good friend of mine. I'm not going to say his name right now, but we had a priest that put his hands on the videographer and, oh, I know who this is. Oh, you know who I'm talking about. And he <laughs> yeah. turned around and looked at the priest and said, you fucking touch me, I'll kill you. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, they go a little too far. Yeah, they definitely do with, with a... First of all, there's a lot of... It's just... It's like school back, back all over. There's a lot of rules, and a lot of rules don't make sense. I mean, you know, if you're respectful of the service, whatever the denomination is, Catholic, uh, Jewish, whatever it might be... Um, if you're not encroaching on the religious aspect of it, you know, and, and standing on top of the, the priest or the officiant, there's no reason why they have to be so specific. And um, I, I think it relates back to them, you know, overall having that authority figure that they sometimes push a little too much. And so, some don't, most don't, I would say. I mean, but there are some who are difficult. Here's what I don't understand. We get to the church. They're all gun ho masks have to be on. Don't do this. Don't do that. Um, and then the mass is over and we go back into the church. So the same 50 people that were there in the beginning with the masks on, and it was a, you had to do it. Now we're all back in the church, no masks, because we're allowed to take pictures. And the whole thing just makes no sense to me. You're giving people yeah, a lot of rules. And then you're okay. taking them away because the part that you paid for is over. And but the, but then after you could go in and do the portraits. Afterwards, the portraits are it's game on. Doesn't matter. No masks. Yeah, it's it, all good. You made your charitable donation, so here we go. You know, it's it's just it's totally it's one of those things like many things in life that there's really no <laughs> explanation for. It's kind of like you know. It is what it is type thing. Um, not saying I agree with it or disagree, obviously, but you know, whether lot if you look at it logically, well, if you could have photos, you know, after the fact, um, at the very least, let the you know, if the priest wants to wear a mask, fine, but let the couple who's gonna be, you know, in the photos in every single photo pretty much, let them, you know, forego the mask for the mass. My um, thing is if you're on the altar and you're in the first two rows, those are the people where it becomes the absolute most noticeable at church. Now, we're in Staten Island. Staten Island is a completely different breed when it comes to the whole mask thing. Um, you would think that there wasn't even a pandemic going on with the non-existence of masks in Staten Island. But then you cross the bridge and you go into Brooklyn and you would think it's the movie Outbreak with the amount of masks that are on and gloves and social distancing rules. It's absolutely crazy what a few miles does here. But that being said, anybody that's on the altar and in the first two rows, if they don't have a mask on, you don't see what's going on and it looks the same. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I look, I hear you. I hear you for sure. And I think that we're at the point now, I mean, you know, it's, it's, we're doing this July 27th. This is uh, taking place. We're speaking right now. I personally felt that stuff would slowly get back to normal around August, September. And by that, I mean, indoor, whether it was 25%, 50%, we're not there yet. Um, and I really don't know why it is a look, there's a lot of politics involved. And stuff okay. Like so that. let's and talk no, about that then. Yeah. The actual state of the wedding industry, as we see it right now, um, in my opinion, the rest of this year, after being at a few of them, seeing what I saw, it's going to cut, like I said, it's going to come down to the line. Either you want to have your wedding or you want to have your party. I see a lot of catering halls right now doing their absolute best to accommodate every single couple with tents now and they're learning to adapt. And that was a big problem that happened in the beginning of all this because nobody knew how to adapt to these weddings because we've never had to do this before. Right. So what I'm seeing right now in the foreseeable future is this. If you want to have your wedding, you can have it, but it's not going to be that super blowout wedding that you've been to over and over and over and over again. It's going to be more of a intimate romantic type wedding with you and your partner rather than the wedding that you're trying to show off to everybody, if that makes any sense. Well, look, at the end of the day, when it comes to a wedding, I mean, everybody wants the big party and everybody, you know, goes crazy. You know, some people go crazy with flowers. I shouldn't say everybody, but some people go crazy with flowers and with the entertainment. I mean, going crazy is an, an understatement. You, we yeah. did your wedding and you wanted to have R2-D2 show up. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan and <laughs> I would be offended if you didn't, you know, appreciate that because that would be pretty badass. But, well, look, it was either that or Wedding Llamas. And if anybody's interested in what Wedding Llamas are, you can Google that. It's pretty cool. But, um, Who the no, look, at the end a of the llama? day. Happy Llama, sad Llama, mentally disturbed Llama, super Llama, drama Llama, big fat Mama Llama, 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 Llama. Who is this big Llama? Starting all this drama. It's me, bitch. Two wedding llamas. I had uh, inquired from Oregon to have them Fucking at llama. my wedding. I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, a big animal guy, and I thought that would be pretty, pretty cool, just to have. But like people you know, pet them. Like, why would you um, have a llama? So, I don't know. Probably because, like other things, uh, I personally like to be different. And so it's just one of those things. I, like, I'm gonna have a llama at my wedding, and. If yeah, they, come see the llama. Photos. Yeah, so they're in there for photos. Guests could pose with them and take photos. So a lot of people have a photo booth. I would have had like a like a, a little mini barn with llamas in it set up on the Park Chateau grounds. If <laughs> De Devin, who I hope listens to this, is probably rolling her eyes saying he's crazy. There was no way we were going to allow that. <laughs> a petting zoo at your wedding. This sounds, uh, yeah. Uh, definitely a little rustic. But um, no, so what I was going to say in, in, in all seriousness, though, about the, you know, we're talking about, um, the, the current state of the weddings and stuff and all the extras that you might not be able, be able to have all the, uh, you know, all the bells and whistles. Um, the most important thing at the end of the day for me personally, and what I always tell, you know, couples is it's just about you two, you know, so you're the ones getting married and your love is the only, really the main thing that day um, and the most important. So if you're able to celebrate that, whether it's on a big scale or a small scale, you know, in my opinion, I would try to do that um, rather than 
wait and potentially, I mean, who knows? This could last for two, three years. It, it seems right now there's just no guidance. Well, that's just it. We don't, we don't have a solid blueprint as to exactly what's going to go on. So what I've been telling every single one of my clients is no matter what, from start to finish, your day is still going to look exactly the same on my end. We're professionals. This is what we, this is what we do. So from the time you get ready till the time you cut that cake, everything will look exactly the same from your photo perspective. Because what happens is, Mike, we've done plenty of weddings where when I say shit's gone wrong, I mean, who's fighting? Who's dad doesn't like the way the chicken tastes so he's in the kitchen fighting with the cook what about when the hall loses the cake what bridesmaid (laughs) is throwing up in the corner or cars didn't show up or weather i mean you name it we're the ones who hide it we're the ones who are able to say that that shit never happened i have no idea what you're talking about yeah no there's definitely look a lot of times stuff goes wrong um but ultimately like you said it doesn't well we strive to not let it show in the photos as much as possible well think about it from a pandemic photographer because that's what we've become now we've become pandemic photographers we have to be outside 80 percent of the day now for what we do so if we're outside and we can use the elements there's about four billion different opportunities for portraits and photos that we can take so again, totally. I've been telling all my clients, no matter what, your day's still going to be beautiful. Your pictures are still going to come out amazing, but it's going to come down to if you want to get married. If you two want to go through with it, then it's going to happen. I mean, I understand if there is a obstacle at hand that we have no control of. There are many people out there who unfortunately do have sick family members, who do have family that lives out of state that can't get here. If that's the point and that's the problem, then yeah, you're not going to be able to have your wedding. But if you do go through with it, we're there. We're ready to go. I mean, what a lot of photographers have to understand, and we'll get into this next, is because of contracts and cancellations. If you're able to facilitate the person's wedding and do it, do it. If you can reschedule it to a date where you're open, awesome. But if you can't reschedule it, unfortunately, there's nothing you can do. You only get to roll with it. I mean, right or wrong. You know, I've been hearing horror stories from my clients, other clients about catering halls that are pretty much telling you, uh, yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you. Now uh, go fuck yourself with your deposit. I've had clients tell me about their friends who are getting married that photographers and videographers and DJs are all telling them, oh, well, tough shit. You signed the contract. And since we can't have your wedding, you're screwed. Right. Um, I think that goes hand in hand, though, with the professionalism aspect of it, because the guys that we know that have been doing this for years, you're not hearing any problems from them. It's a lot of. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, and don't get me wrong. I've had a very, very strict cancellation policy. I've gone by the idea of if your catering venue is closed, mandated by law, meaning if the, let's for example, the Park Chateau had to be closed from March till about a week ago. If the hall's closed and we can't do anything, 
then you're not responsible by your contract if you have to cancel or move your date. But if your venue is open on the day of your wedding and you're choosing to cancel or postpone, that's a cancellation, at least on my end, because now you're changing your entire wedding based off of preference rather than priority. Now, yes, if you have family members that are sick and that can't get there, and I understand that, but we had to hold a date for you. And unfortunately, what people don't realize is this is a business. Wedding photography, wedding videography, florists, DJs, limos, we're all small business here. So if you cancel on us, we lose work. And if we can't work, we can't get paid. But there seems to be a even split down the line as people thinking, well, oh, well, tough shit. Like I'm canceling my wedding and there's nothing you can do about it because it's COVID-19 and there's a pandemic. And I mean, you've been dealing with it. I've been dealing with it. Right. What's going on on your end? With in terms of people. Well, so for the most part, everybody from. And I mean, this was this was standard. So we were talking about something before that uh, I want to touch back on. I don't necessarily think that people weren't thinking of ways to adapt in, let's say, April or May. Um, I don't. I think it was more so the government, local government, saying, "Okay, as of June first, you're allowed to have 25% capacity outside." Like for a while, they were literally just shut, so they couldn't do anything. It wouldn't have mattered if they had 15,000 square feet of tent on their front lawn. They weren't even allowed to have gatherings. So those clients from the March to, I call it probably mid-June or early to mid-June, I lost every one of them. Every single one of them postponed um, and they postponed till a, a date either at the end of the year or or about 85% of them, I would say, postponed till 2021, um, which causes a whole other issue for 2021 that maybe we'll touch on just because it's going to be so inundated with weddings. Uh, but now I'm at the point where people are are starting to do things uh, and have their weddings, but there's the people too that are worried for the fall slash winter that are going to be like, are we able to have a tent? Can I have a tent when it's 27 degrees out? And, you know, I have grandma over there with her, her hands in, in gloves because she's freezing to death and I'm in a tent to run to have my wedding. Like, is that going to be the case? So people are postponing uh, prematurely because of that. That brings me to my next topic at hand, we'll say. I don't think weddings are going to be the same for a very, very, very long time. Okay. So where we all want to think in our heads, yeah, things are going to go back to normal. This is not going to be a light switch where we flip it and the wedding industry is back. Now is the time where every single vendor, every single couple, you all have to adapt and realize that the wedding industry isn't going to be the same because the world's not going to be the same after this. And if it is the same after this and goes right back to the way it was, then we'll know that this whole thing was a bunch of bullshit. But I don't think they would push it this far that a year from now, this is just going to be a Netflix special, you know, the pandemic of 2020, how it fucked the world. This is something that I think it's going to go on for a while. You know, people keep saying, I don't want to see masks at my wedding. I don't want to see masks at church. You're going to see masks, in my opinion. And again, this is my opinion. My grandmother, I shouldn't say my grandma. Well, yeah, my grandmother, my wife's grandmother. She used to say opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. So this is my opinion, okay? 
masks are going to be here for the next five to 10 years. Now, whether or not we have to wear them, that's a whole nother story. But for every crazy person that's out there that sees something and takes it as if it was the most catastrophic thing in the world, you think masks are just going to disappear overnight? You think the entire world is just going to stop wearing masks? I, th- I think that some people, I think that, I so I agree with what you're saying, that it's not just going to change overnight. The only disagreements I would have is that I think it would change overnight if they come out with a vaccine, because a lot of people are going to buy into that and just say, like, you know what? Yeah, I understand the whole vaccine thing, but with a vaccine, this is like the flu. You're going to have to get this vaccine every year. And you're going to now deal with a lot of people that say, I'm not getting a vaccine. Why do I need a vaccine for? So there's constantly going to be a flip-flop, which means there's constantly going to be some kind of turbulence that interrupts what we have to do as vendors. So there's always going to be something. This mask during um, dining could be something we see forever as a health issue. That that would, uh, I mean, look... I mean, think about yourself. Was, you and me are kind of the same in the fact that we skeeve everything. Hey, how you all doing? I'm Stevie Benita, and I'm American slang word of the day is skeevo. Que skeevo. Down at the shop, I only got one toilet for all the guys. Hey, it's a small operation. So sometimes in the afternoon, when Carmine has a big, big lunch... And after he uses it, I go in. Let me just tell you, I'm really skeeved. Medigan. I mean, I've stood next to you at a cocktail hour, and I watched you take the plate, yep. nine plates underneath the plate stack, because you 100%. said, I don't know who touched that. A hundred percent. So I have a big <laughs> belief that I dig to the bottom of stuff, whether it's cups, or even when I go to like the deli, if I pour myself, you know, coffee before a job, I take like the 16th lid right out of the middle. Okay. So I don't there, pull anything from the top. So there you but go. That's just me. You are one person. Okay. Right. Now times that by the amount of people that are just in New York and think about where this world is going now. Well, the other thing too is, um, you know, you're talking about New York, but the, well, <laughs> I'll use a flip side, though. With everybody you see, you were mentioning about no social distancing on Staten Island. No, New social Jersey distancing is... Uh... Is out. I think that I think that you have... I, it's like so split. There's people that are... They don't believe in it. They don't care. No matter what. I'm not wearing a mask. Doesn't matter. Uh, and then there's people that are the opposite that are like, look, I, you know, I know somebody that passed away or I was sick myself. This is no joke. And... Um, it's just, it's really going to be, it's, to me, in my opinion, I think you'll start to see the change when it's proven that after being open for, let's call it, I don't know, a month or so, no one's really getting sick and these venues are able to operate at full capacity, mass off, we'll say. Um, I think that's when it's going to change. I mean, that's probably, you know, not a uh, an amazing revelation at that point. The but biggest- the point getting up to that's going to be, you know, tough. I think the biggest problem, there's no information. We still have no fucking clue what's going on. We know that there was a virus. We know there is a virus. We know that it was here 
for three months. We know how many people it killed. Now we know that the virus is on vacation. It's left New York and it's, you know, traveling through the United States. It's spreading like wildfire, according to the media. And I mean, let's talk about the inevitable. You know, it'll be back in New York. Our governor is, I'm sorry. He is one of the biggest dicks I've ever seen in my life when it comes to how he goes after small business. It's as if we don't exist. It's like, here you go. Here's a bag of dicks. Have a great day and enjoy what you work so hard for. It's definitely, well, if I could say, I mean, you know my political views. I won't get crazy into that. Oh, no, we can't talk about that because then my first podcast will turn into my last podcast. (laughs) <laughs> and my and it'll be also be the end of probably maybe both our careers and as photographers. Although around here, I think we'd be pretty safe. Uh, if we were in maybe working in like you know Park Slope or something like that, it might be a little bit different. But um, and this you know, is the part I, of the podcast where I say I have absolutely no connection to Mike Gloria's political views. There you go. Um, but and Mike Gloria photo does not discriminate as well if it came to that. Uh, but at the end of the day, as a person, I have my own political views, you know. And um, so let's just talk about our amazing governor. OK, um, there was a there's a person on Facebook. Her name's Tina Forte. I believe yeah, we both I follow saw the her. video. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. And she goes into. She went on a rant about Governor Cuomo's recent trip to Georgia. And yes, I heard there's a video. I didn't see it, though, she so I'll be honest. could I, I not be any closer to how I think every small business owner feels about him. So the devil went down to Georgia yesterday, literally. Governor fucking Cuomo, the jerk-off, went to Georgia to give his China virus advice, his expertise. He murdered our elderly, grandmas and grandpas. He banned hydroxychloroquine. What's he going to do? Is he giving a seminar on how to polish his fucking nipple rings? Sit your ass down, you fucking clown motherfucker. How do you like that? Or stay in Georgia because New Yorkers don't want you back, you fucking cunt. That's what you are. Fuck out of here. I mean, well, look, I mean, it's pretty obvious, in my opinion, um, that he is a very good speaker. Uh, He held good news conferences in terms of his delivery and his quote unquote coverage. But at the end of the day, he made a lot of mistakes. He's continuing to make a lot of mistakes. And at this point, just if you even want to not talk about the Yeah, but Charles itself, Manson was a, a good speaker. Oh, no, no. But you can't deny that he was. He might have been a good speaker. But that didn't mean that he's making the right decisions. Oh, don't he get me wrong. In the know, beginning, when this whole thing started, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. We got an Italian in there. Look at him. He's going to go Brooklyn on these motherfuckers. It's going to be perfect. And then about after a week or two... I was so disgusted that I even shared a nationality with this guy. Yeah, he look at the end of the day, him, the mayor, and if you we want to the, the mayor, because please, that's a whole nother story. Well, you want to talk about delivering a bag of dicks? That guy needs one. Albert Einstein issued one of my most favorite quotes in the history of the spoken word, and it is as follows: "In the middle of opportunity." Excuse me, in the middle of difficulty lies the opportunity. I'm going to repeat that so I have clarity tonight. In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. This is the opportunity we've been waiting for. And now is the time to seize this opportunity. Let's send a message tonight. We're tired of business as usual. 
Drastic times require what? Drastic measures, yes! Who said that? Thank you! Drastic times require drastic measures! Yeah, he, he's horrible. But at the but again, if you want to encompass also uh, Murphy, you know, the governor of New Jersey, because that would affect, you know, his decisions affect a lot of our clients. I mean, shit, I would say that most, at least 75, 80% of my clientele, although they might be based, a majority of them on Staten Island, 75 to 80% of those weddings are in New Jersey. So, you know, Cuomo might keep everything shut in New York. He sucks. We know that, or we, we might think that, you know, that's our opinion, obviously. It's really the New Jersey halls that whatever happens with them is what's going to affect us most. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't speak for you, Phil, from, you know, but I know that weddings that I work with you most times are in New Jersey. Uh, and most of my own weddings and my own clientele are in New Jersey as well. The thing that relates Cuomo, Murphy, you know, well, de Blasio is not a governor, but um, the tri-state area governors are kind of doing the same thing. They're all following suit. So in my opinion, Murphy um, and Cuomo are pretty much in cahoots with if one does this, then I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, and maybe that's because so many New Yorkers travel to New Jersey, uh, especially that we're right on the border of Jersey, whether it's New York City or Brooklyn or Staten Island, easy access into Jersey. You know? I mean, I really don't have political views when it comes to the governor, the mayor. My whole thing is if you're stopping me from working, I don't like you. That's what it comes down to. I, yeah, you, I, I mean, can't. there are so many things that go on in politics where I just kind of shake my head and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, okay, all right. But the second I can't work, yeah, I don't like you. So let me ask you this. Let's get away from politics for a second. Should people still have their wedding? That's what it comes um, down to. So right now, I, that's a tough question for me personally. Um, I'll answer it if you need a little help there. Well, I, I don't know. It's a personal thing. So should people still? not get married because there's a pandemic. I mean, I don't think the legal marriage uh, should be, if you wanted to get married, you should get married. If you are young and you don't care and you're like, you know what, I'll wait a year, whether the date was important to you or not, then so be it. But I would, if your thing is like, look, I'm not going to have my wedding day that I was going to be spending six figures on. Well, there's a pro and a con to that. The con is, yeah, you're right. You probably won't have that big wedding right now. And you might want to postpone. But at the same time, the pro is you're saving a lot of money if you decide to have your wedding now. And it's not to the fullest extent that you might have thought it was going to be in terms of the venue costs. And I mean, the venue costs are the biggest cost in the whole day. We all know that. That's so, obvious. So I think the biggest problem is we spoke about this before about people having to adapt to what exactly is going on right now. And I hate this term, the new normal, but there is this new normal of what weddings are right now. And I think the biggest problem is everyone isn't on the same page. If you want the wedding industry to survive, and again, this is my opinion, all wedding professionals need to come together and there has to be a plan. It can't be, well, this contract says you're screwed and no matter what, you owe me money. This contract can't say, hey, you could have the, the wedding, but you still owe me 200 guests. Every single part of the wedding industry needs to adapt. And if we don't adapt and we don't start working together, then the whole thing's going to crumble. So if you're a bride, a groom, whoever getting married and you go to your wedding venue and you tell them, listen, I still want to go through it with it on my day. In my opinion, the wedding venue needs to only charge them for the amount of people that are there. That's, 
Yeah, so... The wedding I, photographer you know, needs to charge them for the amount of time they are working. Correct. A DJ needs to charge them for only the stuff that they can do. A florist can't say, hey, we have a $12,000 contract, but now since you're having a tent wedding and you don't need $12,000 worth of flowers, um, you're screwed. Every single person needs to be paid for the amount of time and product that they are providing. And I think I once people, I think once people get on the ball with that, you'll see a major shift in how everything starts to work. Because people, well, people just want to be treated fairly. This has nothing to do with oh, you know, they're screwing me over there. This place is doing great. Everyone just wants to be treated fairly. No one planned for this to happen. A year ago, if you would have told me, listen, you're not going to work. 75% of your jobs in 2020, you're going to have to wear masks. You're going to have to look like a bank robber when you go into someone's house. I tell you, you're crazy. But now, here I am, walking into people's houses with a mask on, going food shopping with a mask on, standing behind bulletproof plastic while my grocer still touches my groceries anyway, so I don't even understand that. But it's a different <laughs> world. And if we don't adapt to what this is turning into, it crumbles, right? Yeah, I, um, you know, you, you hit it on the head. I've said that from the start. Um, if for whatever reason you are now having 100 people at your venue versus 300 that were expected, well, personally, if I was a venue owner, I would have to cut my loss and say, look, I was expecting 300 and I could either force them to have 300, which I'll have to, you know, they won't, they can't do that right now because there's limits on how many people you could have, or I could adapt make less money but make some money and have you know the rate for 100 people i heard of some venues which you know i'm not in the business so maybe it's not the best thing that i speak on it because i don't have every single answer but from my opinion um i heard of venues that were trying to charge a premium because people were trying to move their wedding to next year and they're like look you know we only have a saturday available for you in october not a sunday they're already booked up you're gonna have to pay an extra you know, fifty dollars a head. Like, how? I personally, I don't see how they can get away with that because that's a little messed up. But again, You're forcing people. This into comes that down decision. to all of us having to work together to come up with some kind of plan. Now, I'm not saying, listen, now we have to discount you because you're moving your wedding. Like. I get it. This was so, a terrible, fucked up situation that happened here. Okay, people died. Right. Families were broken up. I mean, terrible, terrible, terrible things. But when it comes to what we're doing as a profession and as a job, we're providing you with a service. And if that service is still being provided to you in the exact same way, then yes, your prices should stay exactly the same. But if, oh, I, but if I can't provide you that same level of service, then fuck yeah, prices should change. Now, of course. that being yeah, said, there are some venues out there that even with a tent, they can still provide you with the same caliber of service. You're still allowed to take all the same pictures on the grounds. You're still allowed to do pretty much everything that you were able to do at the wedding. The only thing that changes is your ballroom. Now, should there be some kind of wiggle room and some kind of negotiation there? Of course. But you can't get mad at a venue because now you can't have this huge cocktail hour and have it the same because you're not allowed to. And well, even I mean, if, you're still having the cocktail hour. It's just outside rather than Well, inside. it's outside, and it's the 
you know, people are used to going to a cocktail hour where they go station to station. They could pick up what they want. They could touch what they want. We don't live in that world no more. If I went somewhere and I saw people in a cocktail hour room touching food, I'd be like, I don't want that fucking food. Yeah, no, I... I Get that I the mean, fuck away from I me. I'm not hope, touching that food. I would hope that all the venues right now are having... I mean, you're their, taking the 13th plate. Staff. Yeah, the, exactly. But, but at the end of the day, I would hope the venues are smart enough to have their staff members totally hand out everything. Like a, but a that's what I'm trying... No, 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 no. The that, catering venues are doing that. It's the right, expectation of the clients now. They think that they can still have their wedding exactly the way that it was but again this no, comes I, to i mean there has to be some mod- there has to be some um uh, what's the term some bending let's call it uh i'm drawing a blank on the word i want to use but there has to be some bending in terms of saying it should have been this way but it's now going to have to be a little bit different but look at the end of the day if you're still able to have a 10 hour or 12 hour fair whatever it might be you still have your dj you still have your photographer your video your flowers and everything but the setting itself changes a bit um, you know, that's, that to me, people, well, if you ask people who are having their weddings in March and April that totally had to cancel, you know, they would be saying, shit, I, I wish I had that opportunity. You know, I would have had it outside. I just didn't have that opportunity back then. So, I mean, like I said before, everyone needs to adapt. There are people that once the pandemic happened, their lives didn't change at all. They still had the same job. They still made the same paycheck. They went to work, they did what they did, and financially, they were all fine. You have people, though, in the event industry who, in my opinion, we are getting hit the absolute hardest because the way we operate is if you don't work, you don't get paid. And it's the type of thing where if you're not a good saver and you don't have a good nest egg to fall back on, you're kind of screwed. And. I mean, it's it's horrible right now. I, I, I'm luckily, you know, you know me that I have an, an, another business. Um, I mean, this is, let's call it a secondary business for me, even though it takes up a ton of time and it really is like a first business. But my main business, I have another, it's an online-based uh, digital music distribution service. So luckily for me, I was able to have that income coming in, uh, but not making anything for photography. But for people that, literally are photographer only or DJ only or uh, well, the flowers, I don't know if they were impacted as heavily, but let's call it hairstylist, uh, makeup artist, all of, all of, all of that. What people don't realize is it was zero dollars. What people don't realize is how many different puzzle pieces there are to one wedding day. And each piece of that puzzle was drastically affected by whatever we want to call this now. Yeah, um, and it's not even it's not even only the vendors. Think about the food, you know, and not to say that we don't care or we care about them, but the food, for example, the food distribution services that were that would normally, I mean, again, let's we've spoken about them a few times, and they're personally uh, a favorite venue of mine just because I have my wedding there and they're great staff and great grounds, food, everything. But the Park Chateau, think about how much food they 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 have to order, and they, you know, whoever they were ordering that from, their supplier, I'm sure took a hit because these venues order a ton of product, food, alcohol, you know, whatever the services. And then even the, the staff that works there, the waiters, waitresses, it's clearly impacted. I mean, it's impacted the whole planet, pretty much everybody other than a non, other than an essential worker. You know what though? You know, now that we're talking about the halls, 
if there's one thing I've noticed that post-pandemic, while all this is going on, you know, venues like ourselves, I mean, I'll tell you right now, once I was able to open my doors again, I was thrilled. Okay. Same. I am just so happy to be able to do something. But you know what's Definitely. amazing? Of the few places that I've been so far, the the buildings and we'll say catering halls that were assholes before all this happened, they're still assholes. Yeah, that's not going to change. I mean, <laughs> they're just a different you know, kind of asshole now. It's absolutely amazing. You walk in the yeah, building, I, now they have new asshole procedures. You want to go do something, now they talk to you in a different kind of way like an asshole. It's just amazing. You would think that everybody would be like giving hugs. Oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. This is amazing. We're back. No. Certain places are still assholes. When you picture an asshole, just what do you see? A fedora-clad guy with a stupid goatee? Or maybe an eye banker straight from the 80s who screams in his cell phone and drives a Mercedes? A frat guy who reeks of deodorant smell? That fucker named Tucker who wants beer in hell? Yes, these are all assholes, the biggest around. But you needn't look hard for some more to be found. They're here all around you, they're near and they're far. But which ones are assholes? Well, all of them are. Yeah, I, um, well, I have to say, from an honesty standpoint here, I haven't had much experience with venues because most of my stuff has been, so most of what I've been doing now, and, I, and I've gotten a lot of work in the past few let's say six weeks when stuff really started to pick up again, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, a lot of it has been um, not in venues. So it's been engagement sessions or proposals, uh, maternity ses sessions, stuff like that. I've even had weddings that have been more ceremony based and portraits and then no party. So I've only had one experience really with a venue and it was this past weekend. I have a lot more coming up the next few weeks because now the venues are starting to put in these tents. Uh, I guess that's their, Every once one person did it or one place did it, a few other places did it. Now it's like a cascade, and I feel like everybody's going to be doing it, and rightfully so. They all should. To me, it's an investment that's going to allow them to have whether it falls on the client in terms of the cost to put up the tent or the hall itself puts up the tent. Um, it's going to allow them to have their wedding. So I haven't had too much of the nonsense to deal with yet, uh, which there there always is. Um, don't get me wrong. There always is. But I haven't had that unfortunate experience yet. So I apologize that you have. No, it's just a matter of you ever just go somewhere and you know exactly what you have to do and you know it's going to work perfectly. And then there's just that one person where you look at them and you're like, can't you just shut the fuck up and let me do my job? <laughs> Yeah, I used to feel that a lot more when I DJed. Uh, when I DJed, because I was a DJ. DJs, I my heart bleeds for the DJ community right now because where our day doesn't change at all because our day goes on as planned. We make things happen. Yep. The only thing a DJ can do right now is really just play music. I mean, the venues that I've been to, you have a dance floor, but you don't have a dance floor. So it's an area where you're allowed to dance, but you're not allowed to have a dance floor down. So it's like all those extras that come along with the DJ, those are all on hold right now. Or like I've been talking about this entire thing, if you figure out a way to adapt, then we can figure out a way to get all new kinds of add-ons for DJs. 
Yeah, who knows? Um, I'll tell you that it was pretty cool. My So my bride and groom over the weekend um, had for their favors were hand sanitizer bottles. Um, and I would have stole like every single one of them. I didn't. I took like six for myself <laughs> because you know what? I kept going back to it throughout the night. I, you know, I was in an area no, out I'm of fast. Oh, I'm not joking. I stole them. Um, well, I don't know if it's stealing <laughs> if they're free. I just maybe took excessively. Like the kid on Halloween that kind of empties the whole bowl into his basket. I was pretty much that guy. I hate that dick. With the, uh, with the sanitizers. <laughs> no, I didn't take them all, but I definitely took more than one. And you were overly generous yeah. with your. For my, well, look. There was Free so many gift. left, and it was there was like an hour left in the event. And I'm like, no one took them on the way in, and everyone's so messed up right now. They're not going to take them on the way out. And I was like, I'm going to take advantage because right now, you could pay me, you know, my regular rate in hand sanitizer, and I'd probably consider it over cash. <laughs> I went to Costco the other day, and I literally bought a gallon of hand sanitizer. I think I have enough hand sanitizer to last me to the next version of whatever pandemic is going to come out in like 2022 to be honest with you, and for anybody that's you know listening to this uh it, hopefully they're not you know maybe maybe you have a few scientists or people with science backgrounds hand sanitizer in my opinion it's it's like a crutch um it doesn't do shit uh it definitely does not wipe out 100 percent of anything on your hands whatever it is it could be you know, a cold droplet, it could be dog feces, it could be anything. There's there's no way it's going to wipe off 100%. If you want the full cleanse, you got to go to the, you know, straight up soap and water. I mean, you're 100% correct. It's definitely that crutch that makes you feel better knowing at least I have something right. on my hands. But let me ask, let's get off topic of weddings. How are you doing post-COVID? How has it been the last four months? How are you doing? So, well, if you want personal stuff, so my wife and I, in terms of our personal, you know, endeavors, uh, my wife and I were living in our house, and since we've gotten married, we wanted to make some changes to the first floor uh, of our home, and pretty much gut the whole thing and do a full blown renovation. So we. You picked well, an amazing time to do it. Yeah, in, in some ways. So it's a little bit of a blessing and it's a little bit of a curse. So the blessing side of it is I'm very handy and I do a lot of work myself. And being that a lot of my weekends are maybe not 100% booked or, you know, let's face it. I mean, there's a lot less work. I'm probably operating at like a 25% capacity versus the 100 that I would be at in terms of weddings and stuff. You know, a lot of my bookings were postponed a lot of second shooter stuff that i had with you was postponed it's starting to pick back up now but it was um so i'm able to do a lot of work here the downside is you know the income that i lost on the you know weddings being canceled and and really the we speak about weddings is wedding is the big ticket item uh engagement sessions stuff like that i'm getting them that's great they're extra here and there it's cool but you know you make like 10 15 times that on a wedding day so to have one wedding canceled, you know, it, it hurts monetarily. Long story short, all our work that we were intending to do, um, it was going to start in, in June. We now started in July. And instead of starting and having a very comfortable monetary cushion to get the project done, it, it's definitely become more of like, wow, what are we, you know, we're really, really cutting it close here to get this. We're doing major work in the house and not having that income has hurt definitely um 
the that side of things. But and well, I think you, like a lot of other people, it's almost as if you know you work, 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 work. You build this life, and then somebody rips it out from underneath you and says, "Yeah, you can't do anything you wanted to do." Right. Your whole life is just going to be put on pause right now, and it's not fair. It's- I mean, in my household too, you know, we travel right. a lot. We go Italy. all over the place. I mean, we're in Europe yep. every summer. We're traveling through the winter. We do trips to LA here and there. And for someone to just say, hey, not anymore, you know, it's not cool. So I admire you for still going through with the project because it's kind of like, we're going to keep this normal. We're not going to say like, hey, there's a major problem going on right now, so we have to put everything on hold. Yeah, no, I mean, look, luckily, luckily, we had most of our saving complete before this ever happened. Um, it was just, you know, when you're doing house renovations for people that are listening, if they've done them or if they're going to do them, there's so many, so many. And you know, Phil, because you did some work in your home last year, I think it was, or two years ago. There's so many incidentals mm-hmm. that come up out of nowhere. Um, that the price, you know, if you have a budget in mind, you say, oh, I'm going to be spending 150000 on the renovation. It's by no means ever going to be that number. It's always more. It's it's never enough. And there's always little things that pop up that raise the cost as well as little ideas. That you're like, oh, I might as well do this. While I have every wall open and every piece of flooring up, I might as well put radiant heat on the whole entire, you know, first level. So there's things like that that it's easy to get baited into it. There's always yeah. something that comes up with construction. I mean, we 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 had someone come in and professionally restain all right. of our cabinets. And I'll never this is a great story actually. And they started doing it, and in the middle of the afternoon, I look out my window, I see my neighbors running out of the house with the kids. Like they called the the parents, the parents ran the kids outside. And I'm like, "Is everything okay?" And he's like, "There's a gas leak. There's a terrible smell coming from the house. Get out of the house." And I was like, no, that's just us. We're, we're staining oh our cabinets. God. I forgot to tell everybody. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely, well, if you come into my house right now, it literally looks like, you know, the final scenes from E.T. where E.T., you know, the family has, well, no infection, but everybody thinks they're infected with, with something. The astronauts come in. So you have the perfect COVID have house the right now. the perfect COVID house. So basically, I mean, I don't want to bring a jinx onto the home, but... If I wasn't living here and another family... It's okay. You didn't put no, the Maloike on. Don't worry. If another family was living here and each member of that family got sick, there is a plastic divider between each room on the first floor where everybody would be able to have their own triage room. So uh, that's a plus, I guess. Amazing. So, you know? I know where I'm going then. How about habits? Have you developed any new habits through um, COVID? Habits. I mean, I'll tell you right now. Before all this started... I looked in the mirror and I was not happy with the shape that I was in. And then I gained what everyone was calling the COVID-15. Yep. So I started exercising and I tried to jog. I tried to become a runner again. That lasted for about a week before my hips told me to go F myself. Yep. And now I walk. I am an aggressive walker. If you see me walking around Staten Island and I look extremely pissed off, I'm fine. It's just how I walk. uh, I know where you're going with this because you know what I'm going to say. So it's not a habit. I've tried to incorporate um, rollerblading into my routine, which is now out the window because... 1995 all over again. And the best is 
I told you to play the theme song to 90210, and you told me what's well, that, and that's what made me feel like, oh shit, I'm an old fuck because Mike is almost ten years okay, younger so than me. I don't know the <laughs> theme. So I obviously know the show. Not that I ever saw an episode, um, but I have no idea what the theme song is. But you know, I could definitely picture myself in the old neon getup, uh, you know, rolling down Craig Avenue in, in, in Tottenville on in Staten Island with my rollerblades on. So. Um, no, but the other thing that I've been doing now, I mean, it, it's literally just, like I said, work around the house at this point. And editing. I'm happy to be back and and editing um, and, you know, shooting and the, making money's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody loves that. But it's also nice to interact with other people. I mean, for a while, it was just talking to people on the phone, if that. It was really, for a while, it was kind of scary um, with not having much contact with people and being paranoid to be out. That's all subsided now, but it's nice to be around other people. Um, and I've gotten back into doing proposals, which is something that I kind of stopped for a while because at the end of the day, I was doing so much work with you as a second shooter and then doing so much of my own uh, wedding-related stuff that I kind of didn't really have time for the proposals. And when I did, it was the last thing I wanted to do. But now I'm back and doing them, and it's a lot of fun because that's like – the that's probably the happiest moment in those two people's lives until their wedding day. Um, so the proposal is like, everybody's thrilled and you know, the couple is so in love. It's like very easy to photograph and very fun to photograph. So shooting those is definitely a lot of fun. And I'm happy that I've been able to do those again now that uh, I have a little bit more free time. Yeah. I mean, I think the most interesting part of this whole process since it started is being home so much with my family. Now, great relationship with my family. Love my wife, love my daughter. But I think this is where our experiences are a little different. And the reason being is when you are home with a child under the oh, age of 10, I mean, listen, my hat goes off to my wife <laughs> for doing what she does with my daughter every single day. And you never day. take your hat off. If anybody is, that actually knows you knows, you don't take your hat off. So this is big. I don't. And it was actually to the point where one day I came out of my house and my neighbors have a four-year-old. And he saw me without a hat and he goes, oh my God, what happened to your hair? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's what happens when, when you, you get, get old. old. You it's fun. <laughs> but... Man, if there was ever a kind of commercial or ad for protective sex, there needs to be some kind of episode on what it's like being home with a child 24-7, homeschooling, and just being around them all the time. My yeah, God. I luckily have not experienced that, and hopefully I never will. Because at the end of the day, Phil, I mean... I don't know if I'm just making this up, but in my opinion, human beings are not meant to be together 24-7, 365, no stopping. So like, you know. For well, I know I'm not meant to be around people for more than a few hours because if you're around me for more than a few hours, you, you start to hate me. You know, I, uh, no, I, I wouldn't say you hate me, but I could get really, really annoying when I'm completely agitated. Yeah, so I, I won't comment on that because you, at the end of the day, uh, pay me to work with you for more than 10 hours. So I have to say that I've never experienced <laughs> anything like that. <laughs> 
No, but I, you're 100% right. It's definitely, look, I love my wife. I love my parents, my family, whoever it is. Um, being with them, for, you know, I, I, it's like, it's almost, after a while, it gets a little boring. Like, all right, I, you know, we've been together. We've done the same thing. We watch TV. My wife started watching uh, Grey's Anatomy, and we watched up to, like, season five or six, and I hated it. But for some reason, I watched it because there's nothing else to do. So it was like, all right. Yeah, that's because you don't have yeah, kids. Yeah, no. If, listen, if I had kids, it'd be when you tough. have kids, there is no such thing as watching movies all day and watching what you want to watch. You watch what they yeah, want to watch. It had to have been horrible. Um, but at the same time, with all the bad comes good, and with all the good comes bad, I guess. But uh, being you know being able to spend some real quality time with family, and look, a lot of people lost family members, so I could never say that I, I'm so like, oh, this sucked. Um, but well, that's the thing at the end of the day with all of this, as difficult as it is to be home every day and have to entertain and figure out something for yourself, your child, just to keep busy. It's kind of a blessing because you're now putting this opportunity where you get to be around the people that matter most to you all the time. Sure. Do we take it for granted? I'll be the first one to tell you, yeah, I take it for granted every day. I should be super dad every single day. Let's do this. Let's do that. But unfortunately, we become a, a product of habit and we don't know what to do every single day. So what happens? We get agitated. Yeah, definitely. You know, but that being said, I just want to say thanks for being part of our first show. Oh, I appreciate it. And I'm going to go home now. I'm going to go take my daughter, Daisy, and we're going to go swimming, and we're going to hang out. Love it, love it. And, yeah, should be a good time. All right, Mike, it's been fun. 